Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Inside Music Podcast. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and on this week's episode, we're speaking with Chris Lantinen, the founder of Modern Vinyl. Before we get there, however, I need to tell you a little bit about our sponsor. Inside Music is made possible by Holix, the leading digital distribution platform for independent artists and record labels alike. Whether you're looking to get your music in front of the press or you simply want to fight online piracy, Holix has the tools you need for success. For more information on Holix and the ways they can help you better your digital marketing efforts, visit www.holix.com. That's www.haulix.com. Okay, let's get to the show. Oh, no problem. Sorry it took me so freaking long. Um, no, I've never actually done one where I recorded it and tried to get it out in the same day, but like, I was supposed to record last week with somebody who I don't want to mention just in case it doesn't get rescheduled for like six more months, <laughs> but when that fell apart, I was just like, oh crap, I had, I had kind of put all my eggs in a basket, and then you and I weren't able to connect as like a backup, and then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to just have to get it done this week. I, I, I don't want to go two weeks and not have a show. That's all right. Let's do it and get that shit out there. <laughs> I know. Have you ever done? Do you do same day recordings and get them out, or is it usually? Oh God, no. Yeah. No, it's usually like I don't know. I usually put it off for a while. So I, that's how I feel about transcribing things. Like if I had to transcribe this interview, I'd tell you it's going to be like December. <laughs> no, usually I'll usually we'll record and then I guess it depends on if like something happened and like for Urban Outfitters I try to get that one out really quick or for like something that's like timely I'll try to get it out really quick but otherwise I'll probably I'll probably wait a few days. Yeah. You know, it's just my schedule and work and everything. I basically have to. That's how I try to approach it. I mean, I've told you this before, but a lot of, I took a lot of my early cues for the show. I mean, I guess we're still kind of in the early cues of the show. Anyways, I took a lot of the cues for the show from how you guys did Modern Vinyl, so I guess I was curious. When, well. I, when I thought of this today, I was like, well, we'll just try to get it out today. That could be fun. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> something incredibly topical, or maybe we won't talk about anything topical, and it won't matter if we had gotten it out today or next week. It's... It's all up to you. I'll do topical. I'll do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> well, how how is your uh, Thursday going? I mean, if something terrible happened to you today, we could totally talk about it. But how is <laughs> how is your Thursday going otherwise? Well, my Thursday is the same every week now. I um, get up at about six o'clock in the morning. I go and I pick up two thousand copies of our university student newspaper, which I advise and help them put together every week. And then I drive those in and do the by-hand deliveries to the local businesses. So my Thursday is very, um, I don't want to say stressful, but uh, <laughs> it's very busy up until like 11, and then I have the rest of the day off. So it's like a quick burst of work, and then I'm done. I don't think a lot of people appreciate that somebody still does that exact job, because it seems like something like you're doing something people did... A- a hundred years ago almost yeah a hundred years yeah, ago definitely right. at this point i was i was joking that my dad always wanted me to have a job where i got like dirt underneath my fingernails <laughs> and it hasn't quite worked out for him so now whenever i deliver all the newspapers my hands are covered in ink and you know one day i'll bring that up to him that i finally have dirt under my fingernails it's not doing anything like with a car or anything True. i still think it's pretty tough though 
Yeah, yeah. What does your dad do? Um, my dad was a basically a factory worker for um, Ford for most of his life. And like most of Ford's, um, excuse me, not Ford, General Motors. And like most of General Motors plants around the United States, his plant was um, shut down, downsized in a big way. So he got kind of like an early retirement. And um, But he worked in the factory for 25, 30 years, like, you know, like swing shift. Um, whenever I have like a tough day, I just imagine like doing swing shift and having to work like all through the night. And then the next week having to completely reverse that sleeping cycle, it would be a complete nightmare. So he would do like that in like 16 hour days. So yeah, he was a, you know, he was a tough, he was a hard worker. So yeah, no, I, I can relate my father and mom, my mom, actually, they both work in a sea corn right now. So I, I grew up with them in oh. factories like all the time. They, my dad actually is on second shift right now. And we were talking last night when the age of Ultron trailer leaked earlier this week, yeah. I, I had like texted it to him because even though he's about to be 50, we're both like 10 year old boys, whenever something <laughs> Marvel related happens. And he was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a quick bathroom break and check this out. Real quick. <laughs> That's funny. If I ever tried to show our big joke around our family is if the movie has any flashbacks in it, my dad's gone. Like he's, we've already lost him. So, like, I tried to watch Inception with him one time. We literally lasted, like, 10 minutes. Because, you know, those first 10 minutes is, like, layer after layer after layer. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't go any further than that. Um, <laughs> so, what did you think of the... I know we're supposed to talk about Modern Vinyl, but what did you think of the Age of Ultron trailer? Well, we can talk about that all day. Um, <laughs> I, I loved it. I, I didn't know that I was going to be excited for a second Avengers film, which I know sounds weird because all Marvel films are pretty exciting, but I always... In between Marvel films, I always feel like I'm getting burnt out. Like, I'm like, I don't really care if we do this again because uh, I feel like we've told a lot of good stories, and every time we try to tell another good story, we're just running the risk of making the whole thing fall apart. And then and then the trailer came out, and I immediately regretted ever saying any of those things. Well, so what you're saying is you're getting burnt out on white male origin stories. Yeah, and I, you know, the one thing I do hate about this trailer is that it looks like another movie where it's going to bring everyone together to fight while a big spaceship or something is lingering over the top of a metropolitan area. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I was very interested in it. I think the people that are going to probably get the biggest bump are Spader. Oh, yeah. It seems like he's going to have the big breakout role of the summer. And then, um, you know, Ruffalo will probably get the next biggest bump. Probably a similar bump as to what he got the first time around. He's that character is always the most interesting. It seems like. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm kind of curious to see who else they might tease. Marvel. My favorite part of Marvel movies has become the Easter eggs of it. Like right. I, yeah. I, I love whenever there's just like that offhanded mention of Stephen Strange or something like that. So, I'm looking forward to that. But James Spader has been one of my top actors for at least a decade at this point. So I always get excited whenever I see him in things. But you're right. Like. When I, as soon as I heard his voice yesterday, I was like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I was very excited. Um, <laughs> it should be a nice half a year um, wait to avoid spoilers and avoid, you know, basically knowing the whole movie before it comes out. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the fight now. It really is. And, like, especially with Marvel, because part of their marketing is so tied into, like, oh, but it's this thing you remember from the comics. So I try to, like, not spoil too much for myself, even though a lot of the times, like, when they brought up Civil War, I was like, okay, well, I already know how Civil War works. So, right. I, I, like, you don't need to tell me anything else. 
right. like i know the general story so yeah i know where it's headed i just i want to see it come to life like don't tell me don't show me anything else i think showing the hulkbuster is almost too much already because i'm like ah, i like i know that that's going to happen now do you do you still read comic books like the physical version I do. I haven't been this week, but I read Deadpool almost every single week and any offshoots of Deadpool because Marvel has so many different variations of all their characters right now. And then I I pick up like Max Bemis, uh, any of the people in music that write comics. I try to read theirs. And that's usually, those are pretty much my frequency. I like Suicide Squad. I like Batman, like every guy and girl (laughs) on the planet. But Deadpool is kind of my one that I'm really looking for. That's like my diehard, dedicated forever comic. I feel like the um, the comic book industry and the vinyl record industry do have a lot of similarities, actually. Um, just considering they were both dying formats and they're kind of, you know, having this resurgence right now. Maybe comic books a little less publicized than records, but I still I feel like both of those formats are having a big resurgence, coupled with Record Store Day and Free Comic Book Day and just like these ways they're reaching out to the public. I, no, I, I completely agree, and something I find very interesting about it is that how they've done it is not that different. Like co- Marvel didn't do as did a reset. I mean, DC did the new Fifty Two, and like they did a gigantic reset, and now people are calling for them to do another one because that initial burst of like, oh my gosh, all the comics are new again, has kind of started to wane. But in a, you know, vinyl's kind of the same way. Like there was a little bit of buzz there for a while that vinyl was coming back for a few years. But then when all the indie labels were like, but look at all the colors we can make, <laughs> all of a sudden it was like really cool to be into vinyl again. Do they do like variant covers in comic books, like different covers that you can collect? I would assume they do, right? Yeah. Um, depends on the comic. Not like every issue of everything, but number ones, there's always, you know, 10 or 15 different versions of it. And there's, and they'll do like exclusive deals with comic book shops. So like in New England, we have Newberry Comics and we have New England Comics. And New England Comics will get an exclusive cover for like a Batman or something that is only in their chain of stores hmm. that's pretty cool yeah. so uh, th- you don't really see that in music because it's not that yeah, i think maybe it's just too difficult to make you know a variation that that's that limited and that specific but in comics it, it does happen and comics they get away with weird things like sometimes like marvel is real or actually dc is real bad about first issues having a variant that's just a blank cover so that you can take it to a <laughs> comic-con and then have somebody else draw the cover for you hmm. Well, New Newberry also has the. Um, speaking of them, they also have the exclusive vinyl that, that they're doing now, like runs of like four hundred, and um, I think the biggest run they've done is like a thousand, with like Bonnie Bear or something. But they do smaller runs for like recently, like the World Is had a, like a four hundred eighty copy run on brown vinyl for whenever if ever. So they have their own exclusive vinyl just through Newberry now. Yeah, I've seen a few of those, and it's so random. Like, I don't know the person who chooses what they pick, but it's always it's a real big variety, know. and it's, <laughs> there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. And it's it's weird because it's it's really cool that they do it, but it's not something that is I don't know maybe marketed the right way, where it's like it's not as prominent as I feel like a series like that could be. And maybe it's because it's so diverse that it's like it can't just target one market because it's Wu Tang Clan one week and Bon Iver the next week, and it's um. They've kind of had a few missteps, I think, in terms of pricing, oh. and um, yeah, they have. like, th- yeah, things like, oh, how do I explain this? I think a couple of the items have popped back up in the store, like Bonnie Ver popped back up in the store, but then it was like forty dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was like almost like they were flipping their own product, <laughs> <laughs> which made no sense to me, and I thought it was a big slip up on their part. 
do you have a this is something i don't think i've ever asked you before do you have like a limit when you're buying records like uh, uh, like there's some albums that i see coming out on vinyl and i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe they're pressing that and then i <laughs> click on the link and i'm like oh i'm not gonna buy that um yeah i have a lot of limits like like <laughs> i said i do teach but i mean i'm certainly not rich by any um by any uh, definition of that word <laughs> i basically have a a big um, case for my records and when that case fills up i don't buy anymore <laughs> Fair. like r- right now I, I limit myself to the size of that case so if i want anything else i have to either i don't sell my records really I, so i have to either give them away to fellow staff members or friends and that's really the way the way i get rid of some of them but i re- i really do keep to like this one shelf so i don't have a huge gigantic collection i move a lot um, I, I'm cr- I currently live in an apartment, so I don't really want to overload, you know, just for moving purposes. If this building burns down, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I just I don't want to put too much vinyl in an apartment right now. So I have a relatively small collection. Okay. And like things like the recent Mondo release for Guardians of the Galaxy, which was like fifty dollars. That's just stuff that it's really tough for me to buy that kind of stuff. You know, because I mean, I'm involved in the world so much and I see so much uh, material coming out that if I bought everything I was interested in, it would be a total disaster and I would have no money. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm the same way. I, I think the most I've spent on like a brand new vinyl is maybe $30, maybe. And I would have to I'd have to really think about it. I, on bidding, I've bid like 50 to get a copy of clips lord willing and that was as high as i would go and i like felt bad about myself afterwards where yeah. i was like you you know people with children would they spend 50 dollars <laughs> on this final they, they would trust me <laughs> the people with families seem to have the biggest collections and seem to spend the most money um probably the most i've spent is 70 on but that was the right away great captain set Okay. And that was like all three albums, and it was in this big jacket. It was kind of worth the $70, and it had some other stuff in there. So, And it was autographed, and I'm a big Andy Hall aficionado. So that was that's probably the most I've ever spent in one solid purchase. My uh, my girlfriend just, she surprised me. My birthday is not till next month, but she was trying to get me this gift for a long time, and it finally came in, and she was like, I want you to open it early. And it was a copy of <laughs> Slipknot's Iowa on vinyl. Oh jeez, <laughs> which I which I have been looking for for years, and I oh, I was so excited, and then like five minutes after the excitement wore off, I was like, "How much did this cost?" And she was like, "More than I've ever paid for a vinyl, and will ever pay for a vinyl again." And I was like, "Does it have at least three numbers in it?" And she was like, "It does." And I was like, "I don't want to know. Just <laughs> I just I'm grateful, and I don't want to know, but that's too much." It was Slipknot what? Iowa, Iowa. I'm just looking up for my own interest now. <laughs> And you, you'll be able to tell how much it is by the sound that I make. <laughs> yeah, not bad. It, not not too bad, but yeah, a little pricey. It, it can get pricey. It's, it's yeah. hard to come by. It, it can get pricey, definitely. It has really cool packaging. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's gorgeous, and I, I enjoy very much owning it. But as soon as I got it, I don't know. I'm one of those people who always feels like as soon as I buy something that costs that much money, I'm going to get it, open it, play with it, and then be like, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was worth that much money. <laughs> Mark Marin has a really good joke about, like, not wanting to buy a really expensive stereo system because he'd hate to like spend $5,000 and then spin a record and the whole time be like, I don't know if it sounds like $5,000. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I do try to listen to the physical records probably every day just so I can keep up on 
what I'm supposed to be looking out for, you know, and what I'm supposed to be looking out for when I do like sound, sound quality reviews. So I kind of like to train my ears a little bit and actually listen to the physical music and keep up with, because if my listeners are listening to their physical music every day and my readers are listening to it, then I feel like I need to keep up with them and at least be as dedicated as they are to this format that I'm the one making money off of it. So I need to be as dedicated as they are, I believe. You've got to be their fearless leader. <laughs> I, I try. I don't, I don't want to be called a leader or uh, <laughs> I don't want to be an admin of any group or you know anything like that. But um, You yeah. know, I was actually going to touch on that because it's, it's curious that Modern Vinyl is one of the few sites where you aren't as like prominent as like me and Under the Gun or me and Holix or Zach and Property of Zach. Jason Tate is absolute punk. But if you're like, who's the Modern Vinyl guy? Chris... <laughs> Chris doesn't usually is James might be known better than you are in some circles. Yeah, James is definitely known better than I am, especially considering he's contributed to other sites. Um, for the longest time, I stayed anonymous on purpose, and that was just the choice I made. You know, because you know everybody's life is so out in the open these days, and I'm more of a private individual. So for a while on my articles, it literally just said Chris. And my last name could not be found anywhere on the web, basically. I mean, you could find like my um, college cross-country stats before you could find that I wrote 5,000 posts or whatever it was at that time for Modern Vinyl. And I mean, it, I guess I just kept it private because, like I said, I'm a private person. And I just kind of wanted to keep my personal life and my profession and this professional endeavor completely separate and kind of see how that worked it seems like it worked out well for you yeah i mean the mask has come the mask has now come off and i've done podcasts and we have our own podcast so and there hasn't really been that big of a difference in terms of you know those two lives colliding but you know i i like i liked keeping it separate for as long as i did what made you change? Was it like a request for you to do some stuff, or did you just decide uh, it was time? Well, well, to tell you the truth, the first time my full name ever appeared as part of Modern Vinyl was with the text interview that I did with you. Ha! <laughs> well, gosh, I feel like I, I feel like I unveiled the magician's identity or something. I think you did. Um, yeah, it was just you know people wanted to do an interview, like you wanted to do an interview, and. I said, well, I might as well. I mean, I have to. I, I put in so much work on this site, and I work a forty-hour week on this site. I might as well do some promotion and try to step out into the limelight a little bit more, even though it's not not exactly where I'm most comfortable. Well, no, I'm I'm glad you did though. I mean, before we had done that interview, I had been somebody that read Modern Vinyl, and I'm always so curious, like. I find it very interesting when somebody can take something that they're interested in and like focus in on it as much as modern vinyl focuses in on like one specific area and then like do everything they can to explore that area. Cause I'm the type of person where I have like a billion ideas and they're all a billion different ideas. And I just am like, well, let's try to do everything. Let's try to do everything and see how much we can get accomplished. But you have like a very focused idea with what you're doing with modern vinyl and it took off. And I was like, I want to know more about that person because I, it's, <laughs> that's a little bit more rare, especially in music today. Cause everyone's always like, Oh, well, well, I'm glad you like my blog, but have you seen my band? And do you read my books? And do you do all these other things? But you're just like, no, I just do the blog and I teach. Right? Yeah. the The blog is the main focus right now. And people have asked me if I ever would like, you know, press a record because everybody has to press vinyl now for mm -hmm. some reason, um, which is fine for us. We have more news to report on, and there's more vinyl out there, and more people are buying, so that's fine. But 
I'm someone that would never, ever release, never would press a record. I'm on the record as saying that. I don't want to get into that game. I don't want to get into that brand of customer service. That would just drive me absolutely insane. So you'll, you'll never see a modern vinyl stamp on any vinyl release ever. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, but I mean, I think that's good. I think it's good to kind of have that boundary because I mean, then it's like, well, did you ever really want to do modern vinyl or did he always want to do this label? Like there's something very cool to knowing that like what you want is modern vinyl and it's not like a pathway to something else to like a means to another end of some kind. Right. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> always been the blog. And I mean, even really when I started the blog, it wasn't even, I, don't, I couldn't even say that I wanted modern vinyl. I started out just using the WordPress system just as a way, as a creative outlet because I was, you know, doing, I was a, a reporter at a daily mm -hmm. and I was writing all these grim stories about, you know, people getting robbed and car accidents and things like that. And I just, I needed some kind of creative outlet to halt myself from just going crazy. So I basically started this site as that outlet and it started as a movie news site oh, initially. Wow. And then I realized that there's so many movie news <laughs> sites out there and you have to be in LA to really succeed in that in that genre. And it just it's a very crowded marketplace. So I said, what is a what's some kind of entertainment that is like a niche audience and that nobody's really writing about? And I guess this is what I settled on. I don't know if it if it if it's successful or not, but it's this is what I settled on. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's quite successful. I don't know anybody, especially I mean, I, everyone I know works in the music industry, but I don't know anybody that doesn't know what modern vinyl is. So I think that that's an accomplishment, man. And again, I'm not too much in the public eye in the public <laughs> eye and I don't really put myself out there too much. So I really don't know who's mentioning modern vinyl. I just <laughs> continue to try to produce content on a daily basis and see if that see if our traffic holds up and if it does i guess i'll just keep going it's kind of like a flying from the seat of my pants type of thing oh no i, I follow i do want to ask you about your days at a daily because i've i completely blanked on the fact that you had previously told me that you were a crime beat reporter and i didn't ask you right. anything about it. i'm like the police procedural <laughs> addict like when i'm not writing about music and movies i'm watching law and order for the fifth time all the way through or something ridiculous so when you were told you're a crime beat like my ears perked up i was like oh so like something interesting like i don't know t is that what you went to school for was to work in like how did you get into that world of crime journalism yeah, so, I mean, I graduated with an undergrad in print journalism, and that was inspired by, we had this professor one time who actually worked at a daily, and he came in and just kind of guest taught a class, and I was inspired to be a journalist after that. So I went to um, this place called the Titusville Herald, which was just like a small daily. It was, it's not a big city or anything, nothing like super exciting happened there in terms of crime, but as a general assignment reporter, yeah, I was very much on the crime beat, you know, like I said, whenever there was an accident, I was being sent out with a camera and, you know, your little pad of paper, kind of like you see in the movies and trying to find out what exactly happened, whether that, and of course I live in the dead of winter here, so most of it was, you know, winter crashes and things like that. Um, so it wasn't like super exciting crime types of stories, but yeah, I covered like accidents and, um, you know, crime, crimes of that or not really crimes, but, um, accident and crimes together, you know, that type of beat. And, um, 
you know, writing features in your spare time and doing all the things that you have to do at a daily newspaper. Do you think you, I mean, you're teaching now. Do you, would you want to go back to that daily world or are you pretty comfortable with being a teacher now? I would not want to probably go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're I mean, it, it. it was, it was fine. Like, I enjoy writing and I enjoyed that job. But one, the newspaper industry is dying beneath our feet. And so you just don't get paid very much when you work at, you know, a small, smaller newspaper. You have to work at like the New York Times or, you know, a big city newspaper if you really want to make a living and have a family and be able to pay for things like a wedding and, you know, actual life expense, expenses. Yeah. So that's probably the primary reason I wouldn't go back. It's not that I didn't enjoy myself. I was also a sports editor for a series of time. But uh, it just, you know, the economics of it and the fact that it wasn't really satisfying me on a creative level is kind of what probably why I wouldn't go back. And I like teaching. I really do like teaching. Um, and uh, I teach, you know, beginning reporting, intermediate reporting. I teach digital design which, you know, involves like InDesign and things like that. So I, I, I actually like what I do right now. And it's it, it couples very well with Modern Vinyl and that I have time to be successful at both. Do you teach? Uh, how often do you teach? I mean, when I was in college, I probably I only had journalism classes two days a week. I know professors, some some of them do two days a week, some go all five. Right. What's, what do you like? I, t I teach all five days. Oh, I teach all five days. Um, I teach three classes. Um, and then three different classes, and then I also advise that student newspaper, which is quite a bit of work on its own. But yeah, I have classes every day, and you know, office hours, and so I'm at work every day. That's that's awesome. I'm so I'm so glad you're a teacher. <laughs> uh, I, I love talking to people that do something positive with like their education as they learn. Especially, you, you're in this unique position where you're still learning about a whole new industry while you're still able to teach people about another one that you're already pretty well versed in. Like you're you're still learning about the music industry while being able to teach others about what you've learned in journalism so far. Right, right. And I mean, we're right now we're doing WordPress in a class, so I can actively use what I'm doing you know, in the modern vinyl world mm -hmm. with the classroom. So it's there's a lot of synergy there, and um, it's good to prepare a new generation of journalists for what is very much a digital world now and what is very much predicated on if you know how to just do a simple thing like set up a blog or set up, like, your personal portfolio on the web. Mm -hmm. You know, things that some kids just don't know how to do, and... You know, knowing that running a Twitter account is actually important and you can get paid for it. <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, some, you know, some of these students don't know that there's this huge digital journalism world that's kind of at, at full capacity right now. Definitely. Do you have any students that know who you are? Like, have you caught anyone on Modern Vinyl? Do people know that you're the Modern Vinyl um, guy? Kind of. I had one kid come up to me the first day of class and say, because I do, I when I do like my little introduction as part of like my credibility building, I will mention that I run that site and that you know um, I've been in the digital journalism world for a few years now. And some kid came up to me and he said, "I think I've read your site before. There was some article about a Mars Volta bootleg, which is an article that I wrote about Cedric." the guy from the Mars Volta calling out music on vinyl, which is the the European label, which was putting out some of their albums about putting out bootlegs. 
and my article was about how he was using the term bootleg wrong and that kind of got spread around through different blogs and um, through different people posting it and so he had read that he hadn't read it on modern vinyl but he read it somewhere else maybe on reddit or something like that but I mean they know that I run a site I don't really belabor the point I'm not you know I don't wear my t-shirts to class and uh, you know do stupid things like that but I think they know that I run a music website I don't really get too far into it mostly because we're usually busy you know with something else would it make your day if one of them walked in with one of the modern vinyl shirts on <laughs> I feel like if they did, they would be trying to embarrass me or <laughs> they would call attention to it or something. I don't think anybody would walk in with it accidentally on. Um, just uh, would, not knowing who you are. And just... Yeah, it would probably be to like call me out or um, <laughs> try to embarrass me or something. So, so, I mean, it would be funny if it was accidental, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I may I may be accidentally wearing mine today because I didn't know that Whoa. we were going to do this when I woke up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just looked down because I'm wearing a sweatshirt because it's incredibly cold in New England. And I like looked down and I was like, wait a second. Oh, man, I, I'm a student in your class right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like your shirts. You're, that's something else that's kind of interesting about Modern Vinyl is you're a site that has a cool logo that people actually want to wear on a T-shirt. Not a lot of music blogs are able to get away with the shirt thing. Yeah, that, that was all our designer. Um, we haven't changed really changed our logo since day one, and he did a great job. And we also do the Halloween shirts, um, you know, every year. And uh, so we did a Halloween shirt last year, and we sold a whole bunch, but I had a whole bunch left over. So this time around, when we did our Halloween shirt for this year, I sold last year's for like $3 a shirt or something. And they're still on sale if anybody is interested. Uh, we have a store tab on modern-vinyl.com. So there's still a whole bunch of those. But yeah, um, the logo is great. And I'm glad that people, that's probably the most flattering thing is that people want to wear our logo around and, you know, are kind of proud that they read the site, which is, you know, very flattering and very overwhelming at times. Yeah, it's, it's strange to think that somebody could be like walking around listening to the podcast and wearing a modern vinyl shirt and then trying to like look for news updates on Twitter. Like you, could, <laughs> you could have a mega fan out there in the world. I could. I, I, we might have a couple, but not too many. You know, doing the label, <clears throat> we just we have this new Sledding with Tigers shirt now. And I was telling because we just brought on a new team member and he was looking at the people who had ordered. And I was like, I'll tell you right now that like five of the eight people that ordered day one are people that will order everything we do the very first time we do it. And that's like, that's right. really cool. But you, I was like, you gotta like, it's, it's, it's strange. It's a strange thing to be like, I create something that people are like looking forward to, or that they are this committed to supporting. Like that's overwhelming in so many weird ways. Yeah. It's strange. Most, <laughs> mostly just strange. I don't know about like, I, I don't really, I don't really expect any of our shirts to sell. So when they do, it's all, it's always very bizarre and just very strange indeed. <laughs> You're so humble. I love it. <laughs> I try to be. I just I'm not I feel like there's a lot of room for growth, so I try not to get too cocky about anything and then whenever I do get too cocky, I just look at somebody else's Twitter account, look at their follower numbers or just, you know, see somebody <laughs> else posting about their stats and then I'm then I'm back to basically zero. <laughs> I say, "Okay, we're not that great." What is your do you have like a long-term vision for Modern Vinyl other than just being such a well-curated music blog um i mean i do have a vision i don't know it's difficult because i have a vision and it's and it, it is quite a bit different than what we're currently doing 
the the main thing that I would keep you know throughout any changes would be just our vinyl news section, which is our bread and butter, which is what brings out all the traffic in, which is what you know we built basically everything on is me pulling from every source I can possibly get and just trying to curate the best vinyl blog I possibly can with the most news I possibly can. But the big thing that I would want to break into is long-form content. I would love to have a site that had two things, vinyl news and actual challenging long-form content just about music. It doesn't have to be about vinyl or the physical music, just about music in general. I feel that that's the one thing that is lacking in this corner of the rock scene or this corner of the music scene is just long-form content that is actually challenging, that isn't news, you know, that isn't predicated on scooping somebody or, you know, getting breaking news. That is just content that people, because people still read. I mean, we kind of forget that, that people do read and it might not, a big article may not bring in huge traffic compared to like, something getting repressed, but I would love to just have a big bank of solid writers that enjoyed writing and that didn't care about the traffic and that just wanted to try to make Modern Vinyl a destination for readers, not just news not just news people, you know? I follow you. I'm the same way. I, I hate, some days, I, I mean, I, have, I love a good traffic day, but I hate <laughs> whenever I catch myself being like upset about traffic like if we have a slow day or i write something that i'm really proud of until the next day when it only has like 81 unique readers mm-hmm. and i try not to let myself get caught up in that that's been a big message i've been trying to like convey not just through the holix blog but to the to the writers that work with me as well as like we have to get past the idea of traffic being a, a determining factor and how good what we are doing is as a site because there's you got to be able to create good quality content it's not always going to be read like you said but it starts with the quality content right and i suppose i'm more interested in like the uh, like the term of like cultural penetration or you know like social penetration and th- that doesn't really and i kind of relate it back to television as in like shows that get canceled but that are known by like the geek community mm-hmm. and that are known by like the nerd community. Like if you look at like a, like the show, like community, mm-hmm. um, that, that didn't get a lot of viewers, but it had a large like cultural penetration where a lot of people knew what it was. And th- I guess that's, I think that's what we should judge these things more on. Like ratings is what I compare traffic to. Yeah. And I think there's something more out there and just besides like what our stats would be. Stats are nice and you want good stats because you get ad- you get advertisers and you make money off stats. But I don't know. It's just I would love to have a site that people actually sat down and read. <laughs> I completely feel you. I've, I've been telling artists a lot recently that there's a big difference between listeners and fans. Like they're not the same thing, and it kind of leads back to what you were just talking about, where there's a difference. It's it's kind of like ratings, where it's like I, I don't care if you have ten thousand people listening to your music on Spotify, like that's awesome. But unless you can convert those ten thousand people to actually support you in some way, shape, or form, then they're just you know they're just passing by, just right, like, like people, people on your website. I guess the test is like how many people would if I put our content out in print form, how many people would buy it? Probably not very many. But if we had, you know, content that was more long lasting and that felt like it had a lot of thought put into it, mm-hmm. then you could start selling a print product theoretically. Not that we would, you know, sell a print product, but that's kind of the the logic I'm using. 
that's a good way to think about it though like is this something someone would pay for if they had to in our case no i mean yeah. we just we basically reblog stuff from other sources we're good at accumulating news and reblogging it but that's really what we do that's all we do yeah, I mean, a lot of sites do that, though. I mean, the bulletin board news style has been perfected at this point by most news sites. But it's it's weird because it's hard to find the des- a lot of I think a lot of bloggers struggle to get past the desire to appeal to that broad base of clicks that comes with being the fastest person out there or just having as much content as humanly possible versus crafting quality content that reaches less people but has a more meaningful impact on those people yeah and it's it's really hard to strike that balance i feel like and i I don't think i don't think many are i I look at a site like Mm grantland.com that's kind of like the end-all be-all i think right now in terms of like quality content in in the in the entertainment industry i also look at a site like dissolve.com or the dissolve i guess it's called Mm -hmm. or like badassdigest.com I mean, they'll just have, they'll do like the superhero stuff, right? I'm sure you read Badass Digest. They'll do the yeah. superhero stuff, they'll do the scoops, but then they'll have these really strange, like, side articles that, <laughs> that don't really fit in with the news at all, but are the, that are the most interesting things they write on there. And that's kind of what I'm going for, like, that kind of a model. I follow. Grantland is one of my favorites. I remember not long ago they did an, a feature where one of their writers interviewed every member of the Wu-Tang Clan over like right. a multi-month period. And I remember reading it and being like, this is the most incredible piece <laughs> of music writing I've seen all year. And I could never, like where I'm at right now, not even as like a writer in terms of talent, but like the kind of mindset me and the people I've surrounded myself with are in in terms of like how we create content. Like I, I don't know that I'm able to do this where I am right now. And I kind of like, that's where I also want to be where I'm like, I'd like to be in a place where I'm like, I can feel confident being like, Oh, I could do that. Or I could do something akin to this. Right. And, and, a, and a slight redesign would probably accompany this content shift <laughs> as well. Just so to make it a little more readable and um, to kind of go to not towards like a medium um, type of template, but to be able to present longer content in a more appealing fashion than we can now. Oh, that's another struggle, right? I, I go yeah. back and forth to that. I mean, we have another, I have an external person in my whole recipe of getting a site update, but even before that, I know it's it's a struggle because design takes up time and you got to find the right one and it's, it's a pain. Even with WordPress where there's a billion themes out there, it's still very right. time consuming. Yeah, I don't touch the design <laughs> at all. I don't, I don't mess with that. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't code. I wish I did, but I don't code. So when I when I want changes, I usually have to you know go through our designer, and he's all, and he's also very good, so that helps. How many people actually make up the modern vinyl team? Not many. Um, currently, we did just hire a few writers, and we're we're trying this new thing out where we actually hire writers and allow other people to contribute. But for the longest time, it was just me. That was for like a year. And then we brought on a, a couple people, and they kind of came in and cycled out. And then it settled on mostly being me and James. So it was just us two for like another year and a half or whatever. And now it's probably a team of like, we have three like core people that are on the podcast, me, Mike, James. And then we just brought in a couple, two or three guys that will contribute, you know, on a a fairly regular basis, I hope. We haven't really got into it too much, but for the longest time, it's just been two. 
So our team is pretty tiny. <laughs> I think that's important though, because if you grow too fast, it's it's impossible to like keep everybody on the same page. Like this is what we're working towards. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that would love to write. I mean, I know from my experience, there's a ton of people that would love to write for music blogs, but the reality of like creating quality content on a daily basis is not exactly what they have in mind all the time. And I also, I also don't like not being able to pay people. That's kind of my big. Oh yes. That's my that's my big thing. So that's why I didn't hire people for a really long time. And um, I I just I hate not being able to pay people. I think you should get paid for your work. Um, and if that has to be in some other way, then I guess that's kind of the road I have to go down if I want this to, if I want this site and this endeavor to kind of mature. But for the longest time, I wouldn't because I just, I hate that model. And I don't really like sites that do it too much. And I don't know, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. I guess that's all I'll say. But I think that's fair to say. It rubs me the wrong way. I try to, anytime. We have a very big staff at ETG, but even then, like I try to spread it around. If something, if an opportunity comes up where there is cash coming in, like I at least try to divide it up between editors, if nothing else. You know what I mean? Like right. I try to find yeah. a way to funnel it down. But it, it's frustrating. But at the same time, like especially a site like Modern Vinyl has enough, you know, enough uh, attention right now that if you got, if you brought on somebody and they took off as like a very talented writer, they could realistically find a job or at least find freelance work within weeks or months if they know, if they know what they're doing and they have the drive to go after it. Right. And that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, we're at that point where it's an, it's a nice thing on the resume. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. You're, you're a resume builder. You're a reference. (laughs) I guess so. Apparently we are now. I don't know how it happened and I'm pretty terrified about it. It's weird. I one time got a call from a camp, summer camp in some state where a contributor from like two years before had still had me on their reference sheet. And they were just like, this is, you know, sunny time summer camp and we're calling about and they said the name and I immediately knew they were talking about. And then I was like, I don't know how what I know about this person is going to apply, but yeah, they're fine. They know how to type 100 words per minute. Right, right. Yeah. I, I like... I, I agree, though. It's the money thing is a big factor, and it's becoming increasingly so. I know that there is a pretty big movement from some major independent blogs to try to go more towards a paying system in 2015 or at least 2016 at the latest. But I just don't know if anyone's going to find a way to do it regularly or at least in a meaningful way. Because my other thing is like, I want to pay people, but I don't want to be like, I'll give you a dollar for every review or something like that. Like, I also don't want to make them feel like their words aren't worth anything. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very tough um, conundrum we find ourselves in, especially with a site like Modern Vinyl. We're kind of in the middle ground of I can't do this for a living because the money just isn't there, and we just don't make enough money, and we don't bring enough in enough traffic. But you know, you want to be able to do everything that a full site would be able to do, but we just don't have the resources to do that. So we're in like that strange, I'm in that strange middle ground where, you know, right now I couldn't pursue this as a career and I'm fine with that. I, like I said, I have another job, but the longer this site goes on, (laughs) it's like, okay, how much time am I investing into this non-career? Yeah. 
I actually did the math the other day. Somebody was telling me that they had been writing for like two years and they were frustrated because they hadn't like started getting paid yet. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think I started getting paid until at least five, maybe six years into writing about music. And even then, like it was not even like $10,000 a year. Like it's such a small amount of money until it's either like pennies or you have a you're in the middle class, the very low end spectrum of the middle class. <laughs> right, right. If I just if I just survived on my modern vinyl income, I would be like basically homeless. Yeah, so. <laughs> essentially homeless. Unless you yeah, move to the middle of nowhere, essentially homeless. Pretty rough. Like if I look at my like my Google AdSense, if I look at that every day, it's pretty depressing. So <laughs> and you know, and that's a hard thing, and it's a hard thing to impress upon young writers, especially, I feel like, when you meet somebody who wants to be a music writer or is interested in music journalism, and you can see that they're so passionate about it, I don't want to crush their dreams and be like, listen, it's going to take a while. And even when you do crack the code, like, you're still going to have to crack the code a few more times before it's, like, is substantial. Right, even as an owner of a site who people would say has cracked the code, if we want to put it that way, I still and not making very much money so as a music writer you're in like a whole nother ball game of terribleness basically where you're really gonna have to struggle to get like that paying gig yeah you gotta find those paying gigs you've got a network you've got to compete with the seasoned veterans who are also trying to get those jobs like mm-hmm. it's it's a crazy world and I, I try to impress that upon our new writers when they come on but at the same time i want to you know you want to nurture their passion yeah, you want to motivate them. It's just that's the world we live in right now. And like yeah. you said, some sites are going to a paid model, but I don't know. That's not going to trickle down to like our level, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like some sites I know have started doing like basically a donation program being like, oh, you could donate, let's say $2 a month to read our site. You can read our site for free, but if you mm-hmm. donate $2 a month, it'll go to the writers. But it would take such a large amount of people to do that for it to have a meaningful impact on the site that I don't know that it's worth it to the readers at the same time to be like, well, you should pay $2, but only um, maybe a thousand out of the hundred thousand people that read our site every month will do that. Like $2,000 doesn't go very far, even between a staff of five writers. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> but at the same time, again, like you, I applaud the fact that people are trying to trying to figure out something. You know what I mean? Something better than nothing to an extent. It it weighs on me. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I'm not just sitting around like counting dollar bills. I, <laughs> I said I said dollar bills for a reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm not just sitting around, you know, counting my money and kind of using the work of others to further me. It's it really does weigh on me like in, on an emotional level. Yeah, that, like I would ever take work from anybody, especially somebody like James that has put like so much work into our site. You know, I would love to be able to pay him on a regular basis, and he would be the first one I would pay. Mm-hmm. And it, it does weigh it does weigh on me, and I'm sure it weighs on others that they can't that they're taking work and they can't you know return the favor basically. It it weighs on me that way, and I also feel like. I always worry that like I can't walk away. I can't. Wa- I couldn't just like tomorrow. I can't wake up and be like, "Hey, I'm done running a music site because there are <laughs> these people who have given me years of their lives to try to like help me with something that is essentially my dream when it started, or like my hobby when it started, and then it became something more. But like they've given you two to three years of all of their free time and thousands upon thousands of words. Like you can't just be like, "Oh, we're done with this now." Yeah, I probably I was thinking about that a couple of days ago. Like if I ever just wanted to close up shop 
what would I do? And I think I decided that I would just give it to somebody that wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, really I mean, the only I don't, thing I don't think do. anybody would buy it, but <laughs> I think that I could give it to somebody and they can keep running it and it could keep being a source that I would probably read myself. It's just, I mean, I probably wouldn't close down shop and just like end it. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I think it's a useful tool at least that I would keep. I would want to keep in the music world. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is a nice platform. It's a platform for your voice, and even without you, like it can, like you said, it can make a it can make a very big impact in the world. But it would be kind of surreal to like wake up next week and be like, I guess I'll read modern vinyl now. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little surreal. But then, <laughs> but then I would like ha- actually have time to, you know, do stuff, and I would immediately love the decision. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. I saw that you guys reported on the Guardians of the Galaxy cassette coming out, and I am so right. bummed that they didn't ask us to do it at Antique Records. <laughs> because when Modern Vinyl ran it, and you guys helped us tweet about it, like we tweeted at Antique as soon as I saw the movie that we wanted to do it. And I remember you guys helped us retweet, it, and a bunch of other people did. So when the news came out this week on Modern Vinyl, we got like five or six tweets from people sharing the Modern Vinyl link, being like, Is this you? And for a second, I was like, I don't know, is it Craig? Did somebody from Marvel call? And he was like, <laughs> no. And I was like, oh. And it, it was a very heartbreaking moment. I'm excited. I'm going to try to buy that cassette. I, I'm right. feeling weird about the fact that I'm so determined to spend what I know will be way more than $5 for a cassette. But Yeah, it'll probably be like 10 bucks or so. But I think a, I think they have at least put some effort into recreating the movie, the movie feel in the tape. If it was just like the artwork like the CD artwork, and mm-hmm. it had no connection to the movie at all in that way, then I think it would be pretty lame. But I'm glad that whoever did that deserves a raise, that they actually went with the like the artwork that was present in the movie. So that was a good choice. Are you a big soundtrack guy? I, soundtracks seem to be like a huge thing in vinyl this year. I mean, I've bought a couple because I'm a big horror movie nerd, but even I sometimes will buy like a rare score to some horror movie, and then I'm like, I don't exactly know why I own this. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty big I'm a pretty big soundtrack guy. I don't have like a huge collection and I, I do get some for like review purposes or whatever, but I definitely have went out of my way to buy a couple soundtracks <laughs> like mostly newer stuff, you know, Scott Pilgrim, um Drive, um what else? I I have the Halloween Mondo version, I have Oblivion. I have a lot of Mondo in my collection because I do like their artwork. Um, what else do I have? You know, like Place Beyond the Pines, which was given to us for review. So I get some stuff from review. I get some, uh, I buy some stuff on my own. But yeah, I, I really do like soundtracks. Um, there's a couple that have been a little pricey for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I haven't purchased, like Garden State. I mean, that's basically a mixtape. So I don't really want to spend $30 on that. Um, but I'll probably cave eventually. And, you know, some some like that that are like in the 30 to $40 range that is just, it's real tough for me to jump in there. I feel that way about the Looper soundtrack, $20 higher. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I want it. That's that's That was kind of where I had to have my soundtrack discussion with myself because I bought the Mondo Halloween and I love it and it sounds amazing and the packaging is great. But other than like these six weeks out of the year around Halloween, there's maybe like one reason for me to ever spin it. And otherwise, I'm just like, I don't know, like, was it worth the $33 or whatever it was with shipping? Right. I think I got I got some other ones from Mondo. I have Jurassic Park, um, The Raid. I'm trying to look at my collection and still speaking to the microphone. I got Palo Alto, which is a Mondo, but it is a good soundtrack. Um, what other one did I get? Oh, I also have Once, which is one of my favorites. So, 
I, I do have quite a few. It's a big portion of my collection. I like it. I it's it's it, it's an interesting sub like group of people that like soundtracks because there's a lot of vinyl people that probably wouldn't bother with it unless it was like the Breakfast Club or something very big and catchy. But in like scores and such, that's a that's like a nerdier subset of vinyl people. Yeah, the scores are like the the actual subset. Like soundtracks, I could see that, but scores like like the people that buy stuff from Waxwork and mm-hmm. the people that buy stuff from. Um, uh, who's the other one that's doing the scores? Death like Waltz. Sp- well, yeah, Death Waltz and Space Lab. Space Lab. And even some of Mondo's like more obscure stuff. Like That stuff sells really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and part of it's due to the artwork being you know exclusive and redone. But part of it's just that there is like this subset of people that absolutely love like horror scores. I don't know what happened or how it happened, <laughs> but they love it. Yeah, it's crazy. I bought one for one of my favorite movies of all time, Street Trash, and that stuff, you can't even find that movie on DVD in most places. But the score exists on beautiful 180-gram vinyl for no reason. Yeah, right. There's no, there's no Blu-ray, but we have a cassette version, we have a vinyl yeah. version, we have a CD version. It's Yeah, that's that's crazy for me. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you about this. I know we're getting we're getting so close to our time here. Uh, everyone's been talking about this ridiculous there's no platinum albums in music this year. And I, the, as soon as I read that story, I was like, I bet modern vinyl doesn't care. <laughs> like you, modern has, vinyl has such a big year. Like when people complain about things like the lack of platinum records, I feel like they're overlooking these bigger headlines. I don't see why we would have a platinum record unless, I mean, I don't want to say dumb people buy CDs and buy albums, but why would you buy an album when you could stream it for free anytime you want? We all have wireless internet surrounding us at all times. Mm. You could buy a much better version of the album on vinyl, which you know includes the digital and includes all that. And of course, that counts towards the platinum. But you're you're not going to sell an album. An album's not going to go platinum just on vinyl. I just don't see where the music buying market is anymore. Besides, like the hardcore collectors and like teenagers. Yeah. So, like my age group. I don't feel like my age group is a music buying age group and we are the biggest purchasers of, you know, media. So why would an album go platinum? (laughs) I just, I I don't get why. Yeah. And I think I know a lot of bands who have sold a lot of CDs this year, but most, they aren't the kind of bands that would report to billboard. And even if they did like their version of a lot of CDs is not, (laughs) <laughs> like sound scan version yeah really. it's like forty thousand. yeah so. <laughs> yeah and i mean that's it's a plot worthy i don't know I, I think it's kind of crazy that they've made such a fuss about it and you're right like who who would buy music aside from the diehard collectors i go to record stores all the time i bought a cd not that long ago i bought bob seger's greatest hits on cd just because my car had a thing where i couldn't do that f- a phone for a while so i was like i'll just buy a cd that i can listen to on repeat and I remember like checking out. I was like, I don't remember the last time I did this. Like, I don't remember the last time I did this. And all I do is no. spend my days like talking about entertainment and stuff because I just don't like I don't buy CDs really. I don't, I don't remember. I've bought more cassettes in the last year than I've bought CDs. I and have two as well, and that's one to zero. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I bought one cassette, and it was from James's new label. Yes. Um, it's from a band called Manners. I haven't played it because I don't have a cassette player. But the point is that I've purchased more cassettes than CDs. 
I, I will have to say that I have purchased three cassettes this year, more than the number of CDs, and I, too, have not listened to a single one of them. <laughs> and you own a cassette label, so I, you really got really to step it up. Yeah, I have, like, probably 300 and some odd cassettes sitting in our inventory, and my girlfriend's car has a cassette player in it, so, like, as she drives somewhere, I always, like, walk out of the apartment with a stack of cassettes in my hand, because people will send us cassettes, too. Like, bands will be like, oh, you're a tape label, so if we send them a tape of our demo, they'll want to put out more tape tapes with us that is not the case <laughs> just send me the digital version guys when a cave when a tape falls out of an envelope and you're expecting it to be like i don't know anything other than a tape yeah. it is not that exciting you're like what really really you just assume that i have one of these i mean i've, I've purchased a lot of records so yeah i mean i purchase media and i'm in that mm-hmm. age group but i don't i don't know i mean i can stream any album i want at any time yeah. So I don't really see. I don't know. It's not economically viable to really buy much music anymore, and that's a sad thing. But that's why vinyl has taken has had such an explosion because it gives you a reason to buy. It's actually cool looking. You can show it off. It sounds better in some cases, not all cases, but it sometimes sounds better. It includes the digital download. I mean, vinyl is kind of the perfect product in terms of music. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how many people call you a hipster for buying a record. It's kind of the perfect product. It really is. And I'm the same. I mean, I've bought a lot of records this year. I probably more than I would care to know if you could like tell me how many of them there are. But I, I'm the same way. Like I don't. I have bought a few digital downloads. Do you buy like albums on iTunes ever? Uh, no, I I buy a lot of stuff on VOD. Okay. But I don't I don't do the iTunes. So I do like some form of digital purchasing, but. I mean, you can't, there's no like service where you can just go in. I mean, Netflix, obviously, but there's no like Spotify for movies. Mm. So <laughs> that's why I go to VOD and, you know, you know, buy movies every week. And I actually, I love VOD, but that's a different topic. Um, but I mean, there's no like Spotify like service where you can just go in and watch any movie you want for free. Mm-hmm. Like Spotify and services like that, that are there. And as somebody who's not loaded, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of them. I'm not telling you to go illegally download stuff because that's you don't want to do that. Spotify at least give, gives a little money to the artist. But, I mean, all the resources are there to be a well-seasoned listener of whatever music you want to listen to. I can't help but agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm being really negative towards the music industry. And oh, saying, no, not like, at all. Don't buy music ever because, I mean, obviously support the artist buy the music, buy the vinyl, and, you know, do everything you want to support the artist. But I'm saying for the casual fan, the music industry hasn't given us any motivation to buy music. Mm-hmm. It's like, true. There's no, like, di- there's no, like, standard where a digital copy should be, like, higher quality, um, should include, like, some kind of bonus. I don't know. Like, they got to give us some kind of, some kind of motivation here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I bought an album last month that came out this month on like from iTunes, and the only thing I liked about it was that every every week leading up to the song, like it would send me a download of a new track. But I will say that when that Tuesday finally came, and I woke up, and my phone, because it's iPhone connected to my computer, was like, your download of this record is ready. Like 
I was not anywhere near as engaged with it as I would have been had I woken up and like the UPS man dropped off the record for me. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. I, I put it on right away. I was so excited. I was like, this is so cool. Like I woke up and it's already downloaded onto my device and it's, it's here and it's ready to go. And I listened to it once and then maybe twice. And then as soon as my like iTunes went off to the next album, like then it was just a track buried somewhere in the memory of my computer. Yeah, no, I can see that. <laughs> and like, it bothers me because it came with a PDF of like the, the booklet, but like, I don't, a bunch of pictures of dudes like that wasn't enough. Like that doesn't really hold my interest and it doesn't translate. Like they haven't really mastered like digital booklets yet. Like they haven't found a way to make them eye catching or interactive in any way. Yeah. You would think that after all these years, someone would come up with like a clickable digital booklet, but they don't seem to exist just yet with like videos in them and you know, audio interviews with the band, like booklets, like digital booklets could be really cool, but nobody is doing a cool digital booklet that I know of. Yeah, that should be a call out. If anyone listens to this podcast and knows of one, like tell Chris or myself, because <laughs> I would love to see that and I would write the greatest Holix blog about how everyone should do it. <laughs> That's how I get my content. I just wait for somebody to mention something that I'm like, oh, that is really interesting. We should write about it. Somebody right. should write about it. I guess I will. <laughs> Uh, I thank you so much for doing this today, Chris. I know we're like we're getting up to our one hour mark. I'm so excited that you came out of the shadows a second time to talk to us. Or talk to me. I, I don't know. know who else is. Any anytime I come out of the shadow, it's either for my podcast or your block. So well, there you go. I, I'm excited. I, I'm very I'm very happy to have you on the show, and I I think that you've taught me a lot about how to do a podcast from listening to your show. Oh well, thank you. And I'm still trying to not trip over myself every three or four minutes, but, <laughs> but... no, you're do, you're doing just fine. We trip <laughs> over ourselves often, but then all you gotta do is turn it into a joke, make fun of yourself, and then have like somebody that laughs at you, and that's it. <laughs> I that's really the o- that's the only tips you ever need. I really need my James. I need a co-host. Oh, you definitely need a James, a.k.a. a punching bag. A punching bag. Yeah, I just need no, that. No, no, he's not a punching bag, but <laughs> he does end up bag. getting made fun of a lot. And we're hoping to, you know, curb that a little bit, but not too much, because I know people show up <laughs> just to see what he'll say that week. <laughs> so Yeah, no, that's great. And you do, do you guys run the podcast the same day every week? We should plug your crap before you go, your stuff. Um, No, it's really random. We try to record on Saturday morning. It's you know our replacement for Saturday morning cartoons, um, so we try to we try to record on Saturday morning and then I usually try to get it up on like Monday, but it's really really random because we all work crazy schedules. Um, my personal Twitter is Chris Lantinen, which is C H R I S L A N T I N E N. The modern vinyl one is at modern vinyl. Nothing else in there, and of course it's just modern vinylcom <laughs> So and you can find us on Facebook as well. So I think that's everything. And uh, the Modern Vinyl podcast is on iTunes. So you know, actually listen to that because because um, the people that listen is kind of going down a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want that to happen. So keep listening. I my iTunes acceptance has yet to happen. I submitted a while ago, so someday I will be on iTunes too. But until then, we're just oh, on SoundCloud. Usually does it in like twenty four hours. What's happening? I don't know. I checked and I got the it's processing, and then hmm. Maybe I'll it should, it should happen really quick, so you might want to resubmit. <laughs> uh, okay, SoundCloud let me down, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll get this on iTunes as well, but thank you so much, Chris. I know you got like things to do with your day. so. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah.